Welcome to the In The Clouds podcast. In The Clouds is a marketing cloud podcast powered by Lev, the most influential marketing-focused Salesforce consultancy in the world. Lev is customer experience obsessed, and podcast hosts Bobby Tishy and Cole Fisher have partnered with some of the world's most well-known brands to help them master meaningful one-on-one connections with their customers. In this podcast, they'll combine strategy and deep technical expertise to share best practices, how-tos, and real-life use cases and solutions for the world's top brands using Salesforce products today. Welcome to the In the Clouds podcast. This is Bobby Tishy along with Cole Fisher and Nick Burgraff. We got part two of Interaction Studio today, diving into implementing Interaction Studio and the strategies around it. So excited to jump into that. As always, you guys can contact us at inthecouds at levdigital.com. And uh, still sitting in nine reviews as of this uh, taping. So hopefully someone's given us that 10th review or 11th, you know? Um, Let's not talk crazy now about it. So excited to jump into this today uh, as far as what it takes to implement Interaction Studio and really kind of the concepts to do it. Um, So Cole, we'd love for you to start of just uh, kind of going over what that looks like and what you've been learning over the last couple of months as you've gotten up to speed on Interaction Studio, what it takes to implement it. Yeah. So um, I I think to start with, it's just a very different beast it's just it's it's nature is entirely different than other products so when we implement you know mobile studio or email or things like that these generally come with you know prerequisite understanding experience best practices that people generally know um, you know marketing managers who have been in this place before and know what to expect from email um, know what their sort of like standard practices are um, they have you know, pretty typical expectations of what they should get out of this. Mm-hmm. And it's a single channel and it's just very straightforward. And so the implementation tends to be more technical than strategic. Um, with Interaction Studio, however, this really begs a larger scale discussion. Um, and so you need to really understand uh, end to end what that customer experience may look like, what you, you have to be open to what, what you don't know about the customer experience, all the different um, you know, variations of the life cycles and things like that that they need to go through. Is it um, safe to say that like when I think a lot of times when you think about like those single channels, you think about a campaign, you're just thinking of an email campaign. Is it safe to say that Interaction Studio is a, a different way of looking at a broader campaign? So you're thinking more about more channels, more touch points, not just a, I want to send an email campaign today. You're going to launch a campaign that takes more time and that sort of thing. Yeah, it can be. So it's it's entirely use case based. So um, really, like knowing and understanding those lifecycle stages and what like what you expect to get um, get out of those. Like that's that's imperative to start um, identifying opportunities where you're going to have like objective, measurable KPIs, um, and then really drilling into um, what specific goals are, whether they're customer or product related, however that may look. So it's, it's important to say like, okay, what are the, what are the, you know, 2020 goals or what are we looking for, for, you know, the, the, throughout this fiscal, what are the, the big pushes that we're trying to do as a company? And we, you know, from there we extract like, what are the big products that are going to be, need to be pushed? What are the uh, big opportunities that are missing right now with current analytics that you may have? Uh, what can we learn? What can we garner from, you know, from what we have on the table? 
and uh, build in this is really specific use cases around like this is you know a specific product that I need to build more awareness around and this is one of the things that is is kind of like a pitfall like we talked about with Journey Builder um, where you know the, those we see those nightmare journeys where somebody wanted to be like okay well this is the welcome and they get like five welcome messages and then they're going to be in this this life cycle and you know they're going to be in this sort of mode and it's over engineering yeah and so they just end to end do everything. And um, generally kind of like the rule of thumb with Interaction Studio is if you're going beyond like a life cycle stage or two, like you're probably doing it wrong. So mm -hmm. it, that, that should probably be broken up into separate use cases. So if I want to drive awareness to a specific product, then I should just be focusing on just the awareness, not the awareness and then educating them about the product once they're on the site and then converting them to the product, like getting them to, to purchase. I don't want to do that because that's me falling into my old way of like, this is how I'm going to orchestrate the end to end journey. Sure. That's, that's the end to end process that we didn't, that we wanted to avoid in journey builder that we want to avoid in just general orchestration. So, so the end to end, as we think about the end to end customer journey and not meaning marketing cloud journey, but just in general, what we want to think about is how, how do each of these different interaction studio use cases map to that mm -hmm. across the whole element, but that doesn't mean one interaction studio use case is the whole customer journey. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so you have to be prepared to say like, okay, yeah, I do want this new product awareness. I want the awareness. I do need to educate around it. And I, yes, we definitely want to bring awareness to this because we're trying to get higher conversion rates to it. Right. But those are different use cases. So we need to, we need to separate those. And so we'll, you know, there's a, there's certain frameworks that we can use when we're, when we're on site or when we're discussing with customers. Um, around how to identify these and we're talking about you know what is the customer looking for what's the need that they're feeling so it's very customer centric and how we discover this um, but I think one of the big big pitfalls aside from just trying to tie everything into in and, and, and traverse multiple lifecycle stages is the implementation process itself where we don't have the right decision makers in the room we need a lean team of decision makers who are 100% bought in mm -hmm. we don't want um, I, a lot of the times where we'll, we'll run into a snag is if it's cross channel, it's omni channel, and which should be to start with, but where we, you know we've got the um, you know email marketing team and they're ready, and we've got the web team and 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 you know the, we we've got them all tied into this use case and ready to go, and then when it comes time to um, use CRM data or to push this in, into CRM for next best action. Mm -hmm all of a sudden we've got to get a hold of the CRM team and they have dev that's just not ready for it. Or they, you know, they have a different executive sponsorship that, that doesn't really, that hasn't been caught up to speed. And all of a sudden we start hitting hurdles. Cause I imagine time. where it's, where it's diff a lot different, especially than, you know, kind of your standard channels is you're taking a concept. And so a lot of times when we're working on an email implementation, for example, we're working with the email marketing manager who's responsible for the content, just deploying these messages. Mm -hmm. But Interaction Studio is kind of turning that on its head where it's saying, what as a business are we trying to accomplish? And so to your point, let's take a greeting card company, for example. We want there to be more awareness around our birthday cards. So that's our use case number one. And then maybe use case number two is once those people are aware, we want to educate them on why mm -hmm. our greeting cards are the best. And then third, we want them to convert on buying one of those. Yeah. So it's really, how do I get the, and whether it's, is it marketing that's primarily driving these use cases? A lot of the times, like the main decision maker is like your chief marketing officer okay. or 
Um, you know, now they're coming up with all these like cool, like chief innovation officer and things oh, like sure. that, but yeah. you know, chief it's a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, so yeah. it's a lot of times, yes, it's an experience officer or something like that. Uh, but yeah, a CMO, a chief experience officer, somebody like that is tied into like, you know, not necessarily the everyday process, but hundred percent bought in and making decisions. Which is really, which is really cool. Cause as you think about it, you know, all of these different channels should be decisions made from that top level. It should be a mm -hmm. brand strategy rather than just the email marketing manager saying like, well, this email worked pretty well last year. Let's send this again. So there that CMO is having these exec level conversations of what do we want to do as a company? And then they're able to say, this is what we need to work on. And then IS is able to easily yeah. fit into what that should be exactly and, and we've all i mean we've talked for for you know decades about what's you know silos within companies and mm -hmm. it's it's easier said than done breaking those down but you know interaction studio is really that cohesive layer across all these channels and its number one purpose is really business value mm -hmm. and so when we kind of change our lens to look look through this as as business value that is touching and it has to touch all all areas mm -hmm. and having that roll up into one executive sponsorship or one you know ultimate decision maker or coe or um you know a narrowly focused group that is making this happen is vital nick do you think that the the way that interaction studio supports kind of all these different elements do you think it will make the the way that people strategize around these campaigns or use cases will change or do you just think that interaction studio makes it more efficient for them yeah great question i think that you know overall we've, we've kind of covered it right um organizations have been transforming over the course of the last you know five to ten years into that more customer-centric model of hey it's no longer a cmo and a, you know somebody from a crm team that's overarching so there's this disparation of of these different silos in a company so really to the point being it's really complementary to what's already happening from an organizational change. And that groundwork is, has complemented companies taking on Interaction Studio because they've already kind of had those, those gears turning of like, hey, the way we're looking at this doesn't work anymore because this customer life cycle is getting way too cross-channel, omni-channel, and we can't operate this way anymore. Like, yeah, this is becoming a very like healthy and welcomed change yeah. for the companies that are doing this and doing it correctly. Like they're, they're seeing this like, the, yeah, like the, the, the normal way we've been approaching our problems has not been uh, effective enough where this, you know, cohesion across yeah. all and the channels, that's, that's becoming really successful. Yeah. And for, I do, I do think it's still classically marketing led just because they've always been more in tune with the customer life cycle or what should be happening because they've been on the forefront of trying to take work away from sales and service teams and take work away from people, not in the, the bad sense of like, hey, we don't need as many reps, but we can automate this using so yeah. many different systems over the course of time in the last you know, five, 10 years. And there's a natural inclination that the marketing teams are, are so able to so like readily accepting to this is um, because it's very similar to marketing. So it, it kind of, it becomes, it, it sort of intuitively falls in line with what marketing teams already know, which um, marketing is never done, right? You're always optimizing, you're always evolving, you're learning more as you go. And that's what Interaction Studio is like. So the omni-channel complete customer experience is never really done. Even when you implement these use cases, you're finding out more new things about them and more new opportunities or ways that we can, pull a couple levers and optimize things. And so I feel, I feel like 
marketers are already in that seat that they've known this for a while. And like as, as any MarTech or, or even single channels are, are concerned, they know that just watching the analytics and studying and learning as they go is just, you know, protocol for them. And so this becomes very naturally accepted. I'm sure it's more of a, for, for companies who are implementing Interaction Studio and may not follow this process today, it probably makes them mature faster or just mm -hmm. in general mature because they haven't been doing this before thinking about them. So I think as, as we kind of transition to more of the process and timeline for what implementation looks like, just as a, as a recap, so as we're starting to implement Interaction Studio, a couple things. One is strategy is key, understanding what those use cases are and making sure that those use cases are focused around what we're trying to accomplish, making sure the right decision makers are involved from a leadership and uh, those who are actually able to make those decisions is vital. And then also it's a similar concept to what we teach in marketing, which is it's never really done. There will always be something that can be done better. How do we make sure that we, as Cole likes to say, fail, but fail fast, um, and then also evolve as we learn more about them? So Cole, what, as we kind of think about the actual implementation process and timeline, let's say you know, we've got our, our three use cases finalized, um, or we've, we think we do, and we're going to mm -hmm. implement it, what happens from there? Yeah, so, there's a, so identifying those use cases, there's a lot of pre-work to that, and a lot of that is done during like the, the, the sales and understanding and discussion around Interaction Studio. And so... There's homework to be done um, on you know both uh, the partner and, and Salesforce and uh, customer side, but once that's kind of done and and we feel like we're getting to the point of finalizing those use cases, that's kind of that discovery and design phase. Um, typically, we're looking at like two to three weeks, and that's where we're we're uh, leveraging everything in current state, um, what we know about the customers, if they have already predefined, if the customer already has um, predefined life cycle stages, uh, any analytics that we can kind of get our, our minds around that can help with that. Um, uh, understanding the overarching company goals and how each of those are gonna tie into like customer centric or, or product specific uh, use cases and what we expect out of those and, and like where our baseline goals and KPIs should be. Because mm -hmm. none of these use cases are successful without objective KPIs to measure against. Sure. And that's where that, that ROI really comes in handy. Because, you know, interestingly, it's like any, any MarTech, it's not gonna be a cheap price tag. The whole point of it is to make sure that you're getting more than you're spending, right? You're just, it's, it's all a game of arbitrage. We're trying to get more out of what we're, what we're putting out, right? Um, and then, yeah, finalizing those use cases and really having a focused uh, COE, executive sponsorship, um, a focused committee that is going to be uh, responsible for decision-making throughout this process. Having that identified is, is, during the discovery and design phase is, is imperative. Um, after that becomes build and configuration. And so that's that typically, just depending on the use case, falls somewhere in about a four-week range. Um, that's provisioning data, that's uh, identifying um, and setting out the, the touch points across all the, the channels that you've identified, um, tagging all your assets, um, building out the journeys and, and adding any sort of um, delivery or, or, or optimizing those journeys. Um, and then after that is, is heavy QA and UAT time. Um, and you wanna spend at least a week doing that. And then after that, it's deployment, you go live, um, where we're actually, and, and I kind of say that like, go live is not really a, a point where you're done. It's not like a one week go live where you, you know, you, you, you publish this and, and it's just good to go. It's, it's like, let's just keep an eye on this. There's probably going to be more testing, mm -hmm. um, now that it's, you know, in, in the live phase and, uh, there's going to be more optimization 
And so that use case now is not necessarily complete, but it's live. So there's a, there's a big difference and that's, that's where it kind of kicks in. But like all in all, we usually look at for the typical use case, um, something like a 10 to 14 week timeline. And, gotcha. and, and after that, as you identify more use cases, now you don't have to do the lifecycle identification and things like that. So there's certain parts that are a little bit lighter in the lifts. So, so Nick, as we kind of go through this implementation, what are some tips or tricks that people can keep in mind or things where maybe some other folks have fallen down to help ensure that they have a successful implementation experience? Yeah, I'm going to pull this one right from the office. If there's any office fans out there, it's the uh, Michael Scott sales tip of kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> Hurts my feelings every time, but it works. <laughs> I think I might misquote that a little bit, but uh, really it is about that. There's so much that you can do to over-engineer mm -hmm. um, something of this scale, right? So when we talk about, and Cole, you mentioned prerequisites, there's not really prerequisites yet because a lot of companies aren't do, doing something like this or they're not using um, technology that's you know, comparable in any sense. So to over-engineer it is putting you know, six-month timeline in front of a project that can take you know, up to 12 weeks or so to actually implement and get the gears going on this. So when we talk about use cases and we talk about building a center of excellence and having leadership sponsor, uh, sponsorship for this, it's really about, hey, let's, let's just find that ROI on a system that's going to grow with us and that we have capacity to, to utilize over time. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, like kind of that, that streamlined nature, the, the keeping it simple, um, is, is it's true with the strategy side, it's true with the organization, but it's also true with like the technical implementation too. Because mm -hmm. at the same time, if, when we want to think about like, uh, data in interaction studio like there are certain like tips and tricks that we want to think about like let's let's not collect data in interaction studio that's already being collected elsewhere yeah. like using native connectors is fantastic we can do that any data that's already in data extensions is, is ideal um, not tagging assets and parts of the sites that we don't need to on these original use cases yeah like we can spend days tagging every site and every page and, and every asset that we have and really that's not going to be directly affecting our use case. And on top of that, if we, if we do spend the time doing that, it'll not only slow us down, but now we're gonna be probably charged depending on what, our, uh, what data we're collecting. We're, we're, now we're gonna be charged for the data that, that's gonna be collected. So if you're, if you're trying to be you know, lean and mean and intelligent about how you're getting up and running within the Interaction Studio, you wanna be mindful of you know, your, your, your usage. Mm -hmm. um, and so like it, it, all of a sudden pulling in data and things like that, you just don't need this. That's going to be expensive and timely. And to that timely. point around data, there are two elements to interaction studio data. There's a data store and data adapter. So data store, you can kind of think of as the data model within interaction studio. So we might be feeding that data into interaction studio itself on a regular cadence. The other is data adapters, and these are temporary elements of data that we can call out and get as needed. So for example, let's say at the time that we want to send out a particular communication, we want to check the service to make sure that's still available. So let's say we're talking about greeting cards again, and we just want to check to make sure that this greeting card hasn't sold out, that we're going to pitch to someone to make sure that it's still available as we send them a message about it. 
And so two main elements there. And as you get into the implementation, you'll want to understand what makes sense for us to keep in the data store and actually store within Interaction Studio versus where is this data somewhere else that I can just pull from at the time that I need it. Couple of, yeah, a couple of the quick ones that uh, I don't think we covered, but um, one of them is uh, surrounding those use cases that I think in episode one or part one of this, uh, we talked about web personalization and the common mm -hmm. misconception. Uh, definitely want to fully understand the, the platform and the capabilities cross-channel, omni-channel, and not just focus on web personalization. Yeah, it's, uh, web personalization is a big thing for a lot of people, mm -hmm. but if you're just trying to do web personalization, like there's cheaper and easier tricks to do it. Um, this, like the real value in Interaction Studio, you're right, is touching across multiple channels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that, you're right. That's a really common missed step that a lot of people have is like they just go right to the web personalization aspect, which is fantastic, but is limited. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, finally, I'd say you, you got to know your KPIs before you begin. Um, whether you're getting hit up by a Salesforce rep or um, you're getting leadership pressure on analyzing Interaction Studio or just frankly, hey, we need to go and license this from you know the CEO. That's happened before. Um, in my experience, kind of on the customer side, we bought Marketing Cloud five, six years ago because our CIO was like, hey, we're buying this. And you know, threw it on our, our MarTech plate of, okay, now go and implement this. And, you know, that kind of mentality of, okay, make sure you do the prep work to understand what KPIs you're going after, because this isn't a small investment. Um, it's a game-changing initiative for sure. Mm -hmm. So just as a recap of everything that we chatted through, so as we kind of think about Interaction Studio and implementing Interaction Studio, a couple things. One, we want to make sure that we're focused on strategy. What are those big ticket items that the company is trying to drive and how can we turn those into use cases that are specific to those different ideals? We want to make sure that we've got the right decision makers involved, typically someone from the marketing team that's leading the marketing team. And then as we go through the actual implementation and timeline, it's usually about a 10 to 14 week process um, as we go through it. And again, you want to start with a couple use cases. You don't want to throw out, you know, a three dozen use cases to start. You just want to keep iterating. Marketing is never done, that sort of element. And then lastly, just a couple tips and tricks. Keep it simple on your initial use cases as you start to learn the tool. Don't just start using it as web personalization. It's a much more powerful tool than that and start thinking outside of that. Um, be mindful of data and know what your KPIs are beforehand. So uh, thanks again for listening to part two of Interaction Studio and jumping into completely unrelated, uh, the best fad you guys can think of or your favorite fad, I should say. You know, I, I had a weird thing. I like I I always had an aversion to like following fans. I think it was like younger brothers like syndrome. Like I like whatever my brothers doing, I had to do something like different or cooler. Or, so they were already in it was like a fad was a thing. Like I was like, oh, I, I'm not I'm not inventing this this thing. I don't want to just follow. But like one of the coolest things, especially when I was like really young and impressionable, mm -hmm. snap bracelets. Do you remember those? Oh yeah, I like these. Like I, I, I'm collecting the, those. They were up my. They were all, all the way girls up. wore them. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were like all up my forearms. Like the more you had, the more street cred you had. I mean, it was 
it was a thing. Like, yeah, I was just I imagining when I'm walking down the street and I see a gang and they've all got their. <laughs> <laughs> That's not someone you want to mess with. That's the, you know to stay away from those. They're they're wild. All of my the things that I love are just all basically around food. I think the the best or my favorite fad because I, I consider it a fad because it's not around all the time are the uh, um, oh I'm totally losing the name of it um, the the mint. Uh, milkshakes at McDonald's during St. Patrick's Day. Shakes. Shamrock shakes. Yeah, oh, I've never man. tried one of those. Oh, they're, they're delicious. Oh, really? They are really good. Yeah, oh. they're green, minty. Oh, it's I love delicious. Some St. Patty's themery. Yeah. So. Yeah. Nick, I'm gonna guess yours is a mullet since that's what you currently have. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a mullet, and <laughs> and you're playing pogs right now. <laughs> I think there's a good, a good classy way to wear a mullet. I think it's a it's a look that's gonna come back. Not my favorite fad. I think my, my favorite fad or the best fad, um, and maybe this is just nostalgia talking, but through the 90s, there were some great boy bands. I mean, like the, the choreographed dancing. Oh, I like what singing, you're putting down here. I, I think that that is one of the best fads to come out of. Like, there's no shame in being a coordinated dancer. I don't know if I would call that a fad as much as I would just call it raw talent. <laughs> so here, here's the million dollar question Backstreet Boys are in sync oh in sync all the way cool well every group has to have one guy who's wrong it's Backstreet so yeah, it's exactly. just clearly golf it's is clearly wrong here. just yeah. way off just because oh Justin Timberlake ended up having a better solo career does not mean that in sync was better than Backstreet Boys yeah, I couldn't name a Backstreet Boy yeah because there's no I in team exactly <laughs> beautiful beautiful <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening guys we'll talk to you soon as always you can reach out to us at in the clouds at lovedigital.com talk to you soon <laughs>